Please rise for the reading of God's Word. We are going through John chapter by chapter, verse by verse, uh, the book of John, and we are just about at the end. John chapter 20. We began about two years ago, the book of John. If you need a Bible, raise your hand. John chapter 20, verse 19. Jesus' resurrection. Three days before he had been crucified. And this is his, the resurrection chapter, John chapter 20. Verse 19 says, Then the same day at evening... So this is speaking of a Sunday. The same day at evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut, where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in the midst and said to them, Peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. And then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. So Jesus said to them again, Peace to you, as the Father has sent me, I also send you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. Lord, I just thank you for the worship time, Lord, which is just such a, a blessing and a privilege to praise you, Lord. I think of that, that purpose chapter, Isaiah 43, which, in which you say, everyone who is called by my name I have created for my glory so that they would praise me. The chapter goes on to say, we were created to praise you. We were born not really knowing how. Many of us come in here this morning, Lord, I speak to my own heart, with all kinds of hindrances, things stopping us from praising you. And Lord, I just pray that by your word, even as we just praised with our lips, we would be praising you with our hearts as we work through this resurrection story. I pray this for our church and every church who's teaching the word of God in the city of Boston. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, you may be seated. So last week we were in the first 18 verses of this chapter, Mary Magdalene, a woman out of whom Jesus had cast seven demons, a woman who 
Because she understood how much she has been forgiven, and, and, and all of, this, uh, of us have been forgiven as much as Mary Magdalene, but she was a woman who understood how much she had been forgiven, and because she understood so much, the Bible says she loved much. And as a result, she arrived at the tomb of Jesus first the day after Sabbath. Jesus crucified before Sabbath. No one was allowed around the tomb during the Sabbath. She arrives first the day before. Before anybody else, she was there. She gets to the tomb. She finds the entrance to the tomb open. The stone that had been put there and sealed was away, the body of Jesus was gone. She runs back to Jerusalem into the city to tell Peter and John. They run to the tomb, so does she. They find the tomb empty, linen cloths, which Jesus' body had been wrapped in, lying there, and then a different cloth which had been put over his face, folded up neatly apart from the other cloth. Peter and John return home, she stays. It's a wonderful picture of someone who understands how much Jesus has forgiven them. Peter and John go back home, she stays, and Jesus appears. She clings to him for dear life. No, no, I'm not going to let you go again. He says, oh, yes, you will. Don't cling to me. Uh, go to the disciples and tell them, I am going up to the Father. And in verse 18, she does that. I like the New International Version translation better. She goes in and says, I've seen the Lord. The book of Mark and Luke tell us they didn't believe her. And that's where we pick up this morning in verse 19. You can read along with me, please. It says, then, the same day at evening. So, very same day. Jesus, it's a Sunday. Jesus appears to Mary Magdalene. She runs, tells the disciples they don't believe her. That's early in the morning. But in the same day in the evening... Being the first day of the week, this is why, by the way, Christians meet on Sunday. That is our Sabbath. When the doors were shut where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, and so the, uh, the, the, the doors are, are shut here, they're uh, assembled together, they could have been scattered, listen, each to his own place. They could have been not just all scattered. Each to his own hiding place. You know, there's just brief little rabbit trail here. You know, there's, there's some people, particularly men, you're looking at one of them, that, that are given to isolating themselves <laughs> in a situation like this where there's fear or whatever. Never a good idea. The Bible says, he who isolates himself rages against all wise judgment. Proverbs 18, verse 1. They're together. It's a good thing. They're assembled. But they're afraid. The door is shut. The implication, it's locked. 
They're afraid. Why are they afraid? Well, Jesus was crucified. He was just crucified. Surely they're next. They were just waiting. They were just waiting for that pounding on the door. Pounding this pulpit. Roman soldiers coming to get them and take them away to be executed. They were afraid. The door was closed. Verse 19 continues. It says, Jesus came and stood in the midst of them and said, Peace be with you. Now, if there's one thing I have discovered in life, it's this. Actually, I'll add to one and I'll say two. If there's two things (laughs) that I know about life, it's that one, there's fear in life. I fear. I fear about stuff. I fear about the church. I fear about this church. Just crumbling and falling apart or division or whatever. I I fear about growing old and and suffering and pain. (laughs) I, I fear about those things. I fear about my children, what's going to become of them. I fear about finances. There's one thing I've learned about fear. The only thing that solves fear, there's only one solution for fear, only one, and that is the presence of Jesus Christ. I can know all kinds of facts about Jesus. These guys knew a lot of facts about him. They knew Jesus so well. They they had been with him for three years in all kinds of crazy situations. Uh, Going from city to city, being persecuted with him, how he responds to them. To, 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 to persecutions. They had been uh, in the middle of a raging storm with Jesus. They had uh, uh, gone from, uh, uh, you know, escaped from Israel after being attacked with Jesus. They'd seen him cast out demons. They'd seen him uh, make the lame people walk, the blind see, the, the deaf hear. That wasn't going to help them. One bit. Everything that I have seen God do in my life, and there has been so much, is not going to help me one bit when I'm gripped with fear, except there's only one thing that I need. It's not facts. It's not even memories of Jesus. It's the presence of Jesus. The presence of Jesus and his presence alone. 
See, when I fall into fear, when you fall into fear, I can go do all kinds of stuff to try to make fear go away. I just moved into the city of Boston 20 years ago, feared for the safety of my kids, you know, reading the paper about some kid just sitting at a bus stop, I remember, about 12 or 13 years ago. The son of a pastor, he was just killed in a gang hit, mistake. That made me fear. (laughs) And I I can do stuff, and some of that stuff is reasonable. Uh, uh, When I'm fearful for the safety of my children, I can drive them around everywhere instead of letting them walk. I can um, have them text me throughout the day so I'm sure they're okay. I can remind them all the time, don't go here, don't go there, don't talk to this person, don't talk to that person. But the only thing, but uh, rather those things are just going to put the smallest little dent in my fear. Uh, what I need is the presence of the Lord. If, the, if there's anything I've discovered in life, it's that. The presence of the Lord. I, sometimes I resist this. It's crazy. But I, I find I, I, there's only one thing I can do. I take my fear to Jesus and I, I, I just say to him, Lord, nothing is going to take away this fear but you. Nothing. And every single time in my memory... He, he's come in, his presence has come in, and he has spoke these words to my heart, verse 19, peace be with you, and the peace that passes understanding comes in. It's real, brothers and sisters. He, so so ver, verse 19, he, uh, he comes in, Remember, they haven't seen him before this point. Mary Magdalene uh, had seen him. She went and told him, I saw him. They said, we don't believe you. <laughs> so they're in fear. And, I, 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 and, and so he comes in and he says, peace be with you. And then again in verse 21, it says, so Jesus said to them again, peace be with you. Listen, brother, listen, sister. God's heart for you is that you have a heart of peace, or, or put it conversely, it is never God's heart for you that you're in fear. Ever. God's heart for you that you be in a place of fear. His heart for you is to, to, to replace your fear with peace. The peace that passes understanding, Philippians 4, 7, it surpasses understanding. In other words, a peace that makes no sense. That's God's will for your life, that you have a peace that makes no sense if you evaluate your, the circumstances of your life. In other words, someone looks at your life and says, There's no, it makes no sense that that woman, that man has peace. That's God's will for, for your life. Jesus says, and only Jesus can say to you, peace to you. Look at verse 21, peace to you. I can't do that, you can't do that. I can't go in the streets and just go, peace to you, uh, peace to you, peace to you. I, I, no, no Christian, no matter how spiritual they are, can do such a thing. Only Jesus uh, can do such a thing. Um, and, 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 but Jesus can, and it is a peace that surpasses understanding. It's a peace that in the natural doesn't make any sense. Remember, these guys were in fact in great danger. Uh, 
they had every reason to fear. In fact, one of these guys was, a, was not too long from this time was going to be killed. In the book of Acts, we read that. James, one of the men in this room who's fearing, who when Jesus came and, 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 and he says... Peace be with you. Verse 20 says, when Jesus said this, he showed them his hands and his side, and the disciples were glad. In other words, the, the, the fear departed and the peace came in. One of those people was the apostle James. He was going to be killed. Why? Why was the apostle James killed? Just shout it out. Someone, someone shout it out. Why was the apostle James killed? Anyone? He was a follower of Jesus. But he was given... So my point is this. You will be in circumstances in your life where you have every reason to fear, but that doesn't make it right. You have to seek out the peace and joy of the Lord. And he'll come. He's faithful to come. It's a promise. It just says in the Bible, I didn't give you a spirit of fear, but of love, power, and a sound mind. How can anyone have a sound mind if they don't have peace? Again, I think that's 1 Timothy. Or is it 2 Timothy? You can shout out. We were not given a spirit of fear when we were born again, but a spirit of love, power, and a sound mind mind. And, and so you're going to be in circumstances. Uh, there's going to be every reason to, uh, to fear. There may not be a single thing on the face of the earth that you can do to change the circumstances that have caused you uh, to fear. It, it doesn't matter. It's not God's will for you. Now, you may ask why. Well, one is that God loves you. He loves you. I, I love what, um, you know, the, 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 pro, the story of the prodigal son where the younger son goes to his father, asks for his inheritance early. Well, that's an incredible idea, isn't it? Hey, Dad, I know you're not dead yet, but can I have my inheritance now? Is it... And the story is an illustration of, of, of the heart of the father. The father goes, yes, he goes out, blows it all, comes back. Father holds a big party for him. The old son is, uh, is all upset because you never do it to me. You never did that with me. And, and what did the father tell him? He goes, what are you talking about? I've always been with you. Everything I have is yours. That's love. That is love. And the peace that, that Jesus has, remember in John 14, what he said, my peace I leave with you. Thank God we don't have to, uh, to stir up a peace just from ourselves. Jesus, it's Jesus' peace that he gives, a peace that passes understanding. John chapter 14, my peace I give you, not as the world I give unto you. And, and, and so the first reason is it's never God's will for you to, to be in fear. It's his will for you to have a peace because he loves you. How can we enjoy life in fear? We can't. Fear robs us of our joy. He loves you. 
But there's another reason here, and this is the one that's primarily addressed here in, in this chapter. He says, peace be with you. And then he says in verse 21, again, peace to you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. In other words, Jesus knows full well that if they stay in fear, they're just going to be sitting around like they are in this room, staring at each other, confused, not knowing what to do, immobilized, paralyzed. That's what fear does. It, it paralyzes us. It's constricting. It's, it, 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 it's you know, a boa constrictor. The snake wraps around and strangles you or their prey. It, it, that's what fear does. It prevents you from doing what God has called you to do. He says, peace to you. And the very next thing he says is, Go. You would have thought that just maybe he would have said a few other things. Like, I mean, everything that has happened, they were just in the Garden of Gethsemane is the last time he saw these guys. And, and, and he was torn away. He was two trials. He was beaten mercifully, first by the Jews, mercilessly, and first by the Jews, and then by the Romans. He's dragged off to be crucified. I mean, can't you say anything else? Jesus, like, you know, I, hey, that was pretty crazy. The Garden of Gethsemane, Peter, you hacked off that guy's ear. Wow. There's none of that. He goes right from peace to you to just as the Father sent me, now go. He knows their fear is going to immobilize them. It's gonna, it has paralyzed them. It's, pre it's preventing them from being the men that God had created them to be. God formed you, Psalm 139 says, in your mother's womb for a purpose. Fear will immobilize you, paralyze you, stop you from living out that purpose. So, Again, verse 21, Jesus said to them again, peace to you, as the Father has sent me, I also send you. If I could just hit the pause button here, let's just hit pause for a second. I don't want us to miss this either. This really is God's priority <laughs> for you, that, that as the Father has sent me, I also send you. You, every one of you, is a member. If you have accepted Lord, the Lord Jesus as your Lord and King, you're a member of Jesus' body. You know, we were in this in the book of Ephesians where it mentions body of Christ, body of Christ, body of Christ uh, a number of times. Jesus is doing the same thing today in the year 2018, and he's doing it through hundreds of thousands of people, including you in this room. He's just doing it. He's doing the same thing that he did 2,000 years ago, except instead of one body, his body, 2,000 years ago, 
He's doing it in 100,000 bodies, millions of bodies actually, including the ones in this room, including you. And it's all about his glory. It's all about us, you, making God look great to everyone you're around during the day. It's a, it's a, we, we use the word glorify. That's, all, that's what it means. Making God look great. That is what he formed you in your mother's womb for. And you may be in that place of fear this morning. And, 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 and the word, if you're willing to just stop running around like a madman or a madwoman trying to, to, to think of every conceivable way to, to, to try to make the fear a little bit less, if you're willing just to go to him and say, there's only one thing, Lord, that's going to take away this fear, and it is your presence. I know lots of facts about you, Lord Jesus. I need your presence. And he will come and he'll give it, but then it's going to be, go. Now go, just as the Father sent me, go and do what I've called you to do. Go love. And love, of course, takes on whatever, 10,000 different forms. Although I do need to say this. Where Jesus said, as the Father has sent me, I also sent you. Anyone want to shout out what Jesus' first sermon was? Oh, I'll be so impressed. I'll give you a little sticker star and put it on your forehead if you yell it out. What is it? Jesus' first sermon. What, what, what was it? Oh, I, okay, Andrew, I owe you with a little st sticker on your forehead. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent, change your life, turn to God, and believe the gospel. Believe in me. Believe that the Messiah has come and give your life to him. That's the very first sermon. That's Mark chapter 1, verse 15. Very first sermon that, that Jesus um, ever, uh, uh, ever gave. Now, we're still on the pause button here. You know, we grew up in the United States of America. I don't know how it is in other countries. I was thinking this morning, I did, grow, I did live for uh, quite a while in, in South America and Venezuela. I can say that it was the same thing um, there. But it, I, just growing up, to being told that three things you don't do, talk about in polite company, what are they? Religion, politics. Anyone know the third one? Money. Religion, politics, and money. And that's in America. Now, I, I, my son just told me that at, at his work, uh, everyone talks about how much, how much they make. He's 26 years old. I, surely the, the world has ended. Are you kidding me? I, I never knew what a single person made my entire life. I was out there in the private sector for uh, 20 years. I did. Anyway. Sorry, uh, sorry, I, that, I just had a moment. But religion, politics, and money. Now, the latter two, I, I agree. We shouldn't be talking about money. I, I, and I really mean this. As Christians, we shouldn't be talking about money. And we shouldn't be talking about politics. Now, I'm sure that's going to get some of you upset. Well, I, 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 I'll, you, I'll meet you in the food court after if, for a fight, and if I'm not there, start without me. You know? uh, but, 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 so, so, so politics and money. Uh, 
Those two things, I don't think Christians should be talking about, except in the most sobering way, led by the Spirit. But I'm sorry, guys, gals, the first one, you can forget about it. (laughs) Because nowhere in Scripture are we told that it's okay to not talk about our faith in God. We're never told that. Now, now I get it. Look, I lived, uh, rather, I worked for many years um, in the private, for a private corporation where everyone around me, they're making so much money, they have no interest in God. You just don't talk about God in polite company. I get it. I, I, I remember a good friend of mine, he used to work at a, a construction a site, and you know, people would stumble into the construction site in the morning after having been bailed out of jail. And, and, and he was like, it's so easy to talk with these people about Jesus. I mean, they've just come in stumbling out of jail or stumbling out of a bar, you know, and they're hungover and they, they, they hate their life. And it's like, hey, have you ever tried God? Well, well, well they got, not really. Tell me about it. Well, you know, but, but a, lot of, a lot of places, it's not like that. It's not like that in the polite classrooms in the city of Boston, among other, many other places, workplaces. But come on. Jesus has given you peace. Are you really going to stay silent about it? Are you really going to do that? I, I was thinking uh, last night as I was preparing, and I know you've heard this before. I, I'm sorry. It's the best illustration I have. But before I was saved, before, rather before I was walking with the Lord, I first gave my heart to Jesus when I was 22, but I, I lasted about three weeks and I lived like a dog for two years. And then when I was 24, I, I, I just started going bananas for Jesus. And I really, I've been like that ever since. But, 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 but when, when uh, before I was walking with the Lord, I was so gripped... <laughs> with the fear of dying. So gripped with the fear of dying. I, you know, I'm just 20 years old, and, and I, two or three weeks would go by. It had everything in the world going for me in many ways, but I, I would like be destabilized just thinking I was going to die. And years later, I found out this is an actual phobia, that, a pathology that psychologists talk about. Jesus took that away overnight. Am I really going to be quiet for the rest of my life about this peace that I got? Can I possibly do that and live with myself and live with a clean conscience? Now, I'm not, Hebrews chapter 2, verse 14 and 15, can't help it, I just have to read it. The children, we children have flesh and blood He too, Jesus, shared in our humanity so that by his death, he might break the power of him who holds the power of death, that is the devil, and free those who all their lives were held in slavery by the fear of death. That was me. Am I really not going to tell someone else about that ever? Now, I'm not talking about speaking to people against their will, cornering them, and when it's clear they're not interested, uh, plowing forward about your faith. I'm not talking about that, but I can tell you, because I'm not the 
oldest guy in the world. I'm not the youngest guy either. But I've lived long enough to know there's plenty of opportunities that you have sitting in this room to share how you got this peace that you have, this joy, or this joy or peace that, you, that is, surpasses understanding from time to time, how you have it. A lot of times it, it does involve building relationships. I, 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 in my 13 years at a private corporation, I, I shared my faith with almost every peer that I regularly worked with over my 13-year period. But it took time. Some of them I waited four or five years. But these opportunities, they come. How can we keep this? But, but it also just happens to be a command. Peace to you. As the Father has sent me, I also sent you. By the way, in the book of Luke, this isn't just the... 10 apostles. Thomas isn't here. More on that next week. But th these are not just the 10 apostles. There's other disciples just hanging out. There's men and women just hanging out in this room. And, 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 and he, he, he's saying to all of them, as the Father has, uh, has sent me, I also sent you. God doesn't want you living in fear. Number one, he loves you. Number two, there was a purpose that he spun you together in your mother's womb and the purpose is not about you. It's about him. It's about him. And it's about you making him look great through your words and just your lifestyle. We're all under construction. We're not perfect. And God transforms us from glory to glory into his image. It's a whole a construction project that takes our whole life. But if you're walking with the Lord... If you're keeping short accounts with him, meaning, you know, you sin, you take it right to him, you sin again, you take it right to him, you sin again, you say, you'll be changing, and you'll be making him look great. That's why he created you. Let's move on. It says, uh, it goes on to say, verse 22, and when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. So we can't do anything for God without the power of God. And, and by the way, this is, this is unique to Christianity. This is unique to our faith. You know, so often, what is religion? Religion, that thing that Jesus hated, that thing that Jesus spoke against and warned against and rebuked his entire ministry. The thing about religion is, is, is uh, what did he say about the, the Pharisees? He, says, he, he said in, in, in Matthew 23, he said, Listen to them, for they speak the law of Moses, but don't do what they do because they put a burden on people's, uh, they put all kinds of burdens on people's shoulders, but they don't lift one finger to try to help them. That religion is first doing the stuff and then trying to get the peace as a result of doing it. Running around doing, 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 doing in, 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 in hopes that, wow, if I do these different things for God, whatever they are, good works, uh, uh, hail Marys, rosary beads, uh, chanting rituals, praying at certain times, whatever. If I do all this stuff, then the peace will come. No, it's the other way around. First, the peace. We, we can't go. We can't be sent. We can't be effective for him unless we have the peace first. And then, then we're sent. 
But the only way we're going to be able to do what God calls us to do is if we have the Holy Spirit. The Bible says that every man or woman who comes to the place in their life where they respond to that first sermon of Jesus. What was that first sermon? It says, the kingdom has come. I'm here. Repent. Stop this life that you're living and turn to me. Every person that does that at that moment, the Bible says, receives the Holy Spirit. Now, at this point, um, when, when Jesus first gave that sermon, he hadn't been resurrected yet. And so he, the Holy Spirit hadn't been given yet. But, this, but now here, the very first time that the Holy Spirit's not only upon these men and women, I believe there's women in the room, but the Holy Spirit went inside of them. So you need the Holy Spirit in order to do what Jesus has called you to do. To, to go out and make him look great, you need the Holy Spirit. Next verse. It says this, verse 23, if you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they, the sins, are retained. Now, what on earth does that mean? Now, tragically, you know, men do this. Women do this. They take one verse and they make a whole religion out of it. And unfortunately, some denominations have taken this verse and they really believe that certain leaders in their church have the ability to actually forgive someone in the sense like forgive all their sins, meaning all their sins are forgiven because your sins are forgiven. And if you read just this one verse and no other book in the Bible, no other verse in the Bible, yeah, you would conclude that. That's why we read the Bible chapter by chapter, verse by verse at Calvary Chapel. And, and, and whether or not a church is doing that because it's not the only way to teach, churches have a responsibility to, to teach the whole counsel of God. Now, if a church teaches the whole counsel of God, it is very obvious. God and God alone forgives sin. We know that. We know that Genesis to Revelation, we're told this repeatedly, that God has this, this privilege, this right alone. Only God can forgive sins. And so in, in, in the book of Matthew, when Jesus uh, uh, f said to the man who was paralyzed, he said, your sins are forgiven. And then, of course, the, the religious people are saying, who, who is this man? Only God can, get for, can forgive sins. And he turns to them and says, yeah, hey, listen, just so you know, uh, by the way, is it easier to, uh, to say to someone, I forgive you of all your sins, or all your sins, rather, are forgiven? Or, or is it easier to say to this man, rise and walk, this man who's been paralyzed? And he said to them, so you know, just so you know, so you will come to know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins. And then he turned to the man, and he said, rise and walk. And the man got up, and he went away. Only Jesus 
can forgive someone of all their sins, has, the, has that power. What this means here is, what did he just do? He said, he sent them. As the Father has sent me, I also sent you. And, and what are they going? They are being sent to declare the good news. The kingdom of God is at hand. Stop living your life as if there's no God. Just look around at the world. There's a God and you are accountable to him. He loves you. He sent his son to die for you. His, the, the, the wrath of God hangs over you. And, and unless you accept the Son of God into your life, you, you, that wrath of God is going to be on you. But, but it never has to be that way because he, he, God sent his wrath for your sin on his Son on the cross. Now accept him as your Lord and Savior. Repent and turn to Jesus. And, and so it's a message of forgiven, forgiveness. So literally, just in the last couple weeks, uh, uh, someone here... Uh, gave their life to Jesus Christ after a service. The Bible says you and I, as long as we have shared the gospel to them, as long as we have shared with them, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is your king and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you're saved. If they do, if they confess with their mouth that Jesus is their Lord and believe in their heart that God raised him from the dead, you and I have the authority that given to you in this verse, verse 23, if you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained to tell them all your sins are forgiven. That's heavy, isn't it? It's what the Bible teaches. It, it, if, if you share the gospel and, and, and you tell them the gospel and they accept it, you have the Authority to say your things, sins are forgiven. You know what happens a lot is people stumble in here after backsliding. <laughs> I've never met someone who has uh, given, honestly given Jesus, their life to Jesus as their Lord, as their Savior. Walked a couple years with God and then just spent two or three years just living like a dog. I've never met one of them who came back and said, oh yeah, yeah, no, I'm going to heaven. <laughs> because they're under such condemnation. And, and many times I have to really, I have to draw upon the authority given to me and to you in this verse, verse 23. And I, I say to them, okay, did you ever accept Jesus into your life as, as your king, as your Lord? Yeah, I did. Well, when you did that, were you really giving over everything? Yes, I did. Well, then your sins are forgiven. And you are going to heaven. And the Bible teaches that. It's the, it's the message of, of grace. This is a communion service. And uh, this morning, I'm going to ask the, the, the worship team to come up, but on that note, I'm just going to wrap things up. You cannot receive the peace of God unless you first receive the grace of God. Paul, in all his letters, begins his letters saying, grace and peace to you. Never does he say peace and grace to you. Why? You can't have peace unless you first have the grace. You can't. Romans chapter 5, verse 1. Sean, can we have this verse? Oops, sorry, sorry about the projection screen not working over there this morning. It says, therefore, having been justified by faith, 
we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Listen, if you're here this morning and you have never in your life done what Jesus has called you to do, which is, what was his first sermon? The kingdom of God is here. I have come. Repent. Leave your life that you've been living and come to me. If you've never done that, then none of what I said this morning about the peace of God and you having a right to it applies to you. None of it. The peace that passes understanding. If you have not become a child of God, John chapter 1, verse 12 says, to everyone who believed in Jesus, to those who received him, he gave them the right to become children of God. If you've never done that, there is no promise of peace. You're, you're, you are in a place where you have no better life than bondage to fear for the rest of your life if you don't become a child of God. This is what the Bible says. These guys can receive the peace of God here in John 20 because they have been justified by faith. They understand who Jesus is. We spend a lot of time on the cross. <laughs> the cross which Jesus died on. And everything that happened on the cross there that unrecognizable body put on the cross, those iron stakes being driven through his left hand, his right hand, and his feet, those the thorns uh, in his head, the, the spear through his body, that was a purchase price for your peace only if you have put your faith in Jesus Christ. You can't have peace, peace rather, without first having the grace of God. You know, here at, at Calvary Chapel, we talk a lot about Acts 2, verse 22. We talk about it a lot because we have a tendency to make the Christian life very complicated. But in Acts 2.42, we're told that's very simple, actually. It's four things. The word, fellowship, communion. and uh, The word, fellowship, prayer. And the last one's communion. Why does God have us do communion on a regular basis? Because we forget so easily. We forget so easily. Think about the person who gave their life to Jesus, went and lived like a dog for two years, and then has come back. They've forgotten completely about the grace of God. They, they think that heaven is somewhere you go to if you live a, a life that's good enough. The Bible says that no one's good enough. They first have to remember the grace of God. Communion is all about remembering the blood it's about remembering the broken body. Think about the grace that we just saw here. The grace that we just saw in this chapter. Jesus hasn't seen these guys since his arrest. He hasn't seen them since uh, he saw John 
You saw Peter sort of in a distance, but the rest of them he hasn't seen since his arrest. Do you remember what happened right after he was arrested? <laughs> Sean, can we have these verses? This is what happened right after, Jesus, right after Jesus was arrested. They all forsook him and fled. I like um, the, the New Living Translation, which I th- th- think gets the spirit of it better. Then all his disciples deserted him and ran away. And the next thing you know, he's walk, coming into a room three days later. He's not saying, shame be upon you. He's saying, peace be upon you. He doesn't, he doesn't want them wallowing in their shame one second. He doesn't want you either wallowing in your shame for one second. They can receive the peace of God. Why? Because they understood it's all about grace. Listen, if it depended on us never forsaking Jesus to maintain a relationship with him, all of us would be hopelessly lost. But we can forsake him in the worst kind of way, and they did, and they did it after swearing they never would, but they forsook him anyway. But he comes right back in immediately and just says, peace be with you. His blood purchased that. So, as the worship team begins now, I would just like you to, um, at your leisure, go back and get a cup and a piece of, uh, a piece of bread and come back to your seats. I'm going to ask the people to, who have been asked to pray to come up and, and look, if there's a, there's a place in your life where you're not able to shake fear because of it, you may be in that place. If there's anything else that you feel like you need to present to God before taking that cup, which represents his blood, and and taking the bread, come on up. Let's pray uh, about it um, before we have communion. So we're going to worship. We're going to uh, pray, and then we're going to have communion together.